Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. Draw me like one of your French Opens 2021. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen. Courtney, it's always favorite episode title of the year, every time. It really is. It makes me so happy. And I always, it's always a surprise to me because <laughs> I forget that it exists. And then every time you say it for the French Open uh, draw preview show, I get a little, I get, I get excited again. While we're talking about titles and stuff. Should this be episode 300? We're kind of on this 299 asymptote currently. We had plans for the 300 that kind of just like didn't, that kind of fell through or at least not happened yet. Should we just, I kind of want to keep going the 299s for a while and then we'll find It seems very on brand to just yeah. go all the way through, you know, 299, ZZZ, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I we'll defer get, we'll to, get to our... We want to make, you know, everyone remembers their 300th. So you wanted to make it count. So true. So All true. Right. <laughs> um, welcome to this draw show for the French Open. It's been a frustrating week in tennis media uh, uh, going into this tournament, but we are here to talk about the tournament and the 256 players in these draws. The two champions, uh, Courtney, uh, hit together a bit today. Uh, two reigning champions, uh, Rafael Nadal. Where's the Igish, selfie, Igish. Rafa? And Iga Sviantek. I know, post the selfie. Post the selfie. Rafa, post the selfie challenge. But, um, <laughs> but we'll be upside so, down. There was a great video which was captioned accurately by uh, Ricky Diamond of, of the two of them meeting after press. It was po- it was posted by the tournament account, but then Ricky, you know, captioned it very correctly. And it was like, Rafa's like, oh, Iga, who do you play first? And she goes, oh, Kaya Yuvan. And Rafa has no idea who that is. So <laughs> in a sort of Billy on the street type segment, I was thinking for the women's draw, I'm going to ask the question, does Rafa know who this woman is <laughs> at various points through the draw? <laughs> so we'll Sorry, see. I can only hear Billy doing it and it's cracking me up. It's, but it's yes, like such right. a Rafa. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he knows her. He went to brunch with her. Yes. <laughs> but I, but I, lo- yeah. I, I loved your, your observation about it of just kind of like, what exactly was the play here for Rafa? Like, how did he think that was going to... You're going to play out when I he think, asked, who do you play in the first round we'll of a Grand think, Slam? <laughs> we'll think about the unseated women in the draw who, who he's assuming he knows that obviously the Shiantek is seated as a defending champion. Which unseated players would have meant something to Rafa is our question. So we'll keep that in mind as we go through the draw, which starts at the top line with a uh, still reigning, I guess, champion Ash Barty of 2019, uh, who has won her last works, seven but... matches there. There are two players who won their last appearance at the French Open. Uh, her and Shvantec, who we'll get to in a bit, who opens against Kai Yuvan, as you may have heard. And uh, Barty opens against Bernardo Pera of the U.S. Then gets Maida Lynette or Chloe Paquet. And then a couple potentially tricky third-rounders, uh, two play each other in the first round, in Anjabur and Yulia Putintseva. And Astra Sharma, her, her compatriot, is in there as well. Uh, and uh, name everybody in this section. I don't want to leave out just Arena Barra. Uh, so, Courtney, what do you what do you make of uh, Ash's path to the second week? Yeah, it's a solid it's a solid draw for her. Um, you know, she's coming in. You know, thankfully said she's she's well rested. Spent some time in the south of France after Rome. Had to pull out of Rome. Obviously retired while a set up uh, to Coco Golf due to arm injury. But she said that she's feeling well. So, which is great to hear. Um, but yeah, you know it. it 
I think that if you're the the top seed, you're you're pretty okay with this first week draw. Um, you know, you never know with with Putintseva kind of what she brings. She's always an interesting challenge, uh, especially on a clay court. You know, former quarterfinalist mm-hmm. here, um, yep, but twice. twice, yeah. Um, but she hasn't had that great of a clay season, and it's been kind of a, a curious thing. She's been losing quite early um, in events, so you know, maybe not in the best of form. Owns uh, a kind of as well, same same kind of. Thing with Owens had her, you know, those those um, two good runs in Charleston and the 250, and still chasing that first title, uh, losing to Sharma in in the 250 final. Yeah. So, you know, some questions about form from players who I would normally consider to be very very dangerous as potential third round opponents. But I think I think Ash will will like that, and and Para has been playing better, but has had issues with with closing out matches and things like that. So she's a little bit of a. a, a a wild card in that opening opening round. I could see Para being an uncomfortable opener. I mean, we just Para just like swings. Para just goes for it. It's not going to lefty. Give, yeah, lefty who's very aggressive, who can be on on a given day, and has had you know some big wins that, or at least one big win. I can think of it as slam beating Kanta in Australia a couple years ago. Right. Um, so not the most comfortable opener. I don't think Para just because she's somebody who plays a little bit kind of. It's pretty good at playing on her own terms, even against a good player. Um, but Ash has so many tools to be able to disassemble and to get someone like para off rhythm you would think um but you know i just think of like ash's slow start against kuchava in miami sure like you know just like coming out of the gates especially you know at the slam playing on chatria for the first time since the title like it could be a i'm not like i don't yeah i think it could be a, a potentially ugly win for ash potentially before she kind of gets her 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 rolling garros legs possible but at the same time you know it could be that, nothing that... but i'm just i'm just sort of yeah, yeah. i see i see scenarios that don't seem crazy to me where that gets messy. yeah i mean she, ash had like a 40 hour travel day into miami you know and then had to take yeah. the court 48 hours later to play kuchava there was a lot kind of going on there but um you know whereas she's typically been pretty good after breaks after after you know she always plays australia like the her first matches or first tournaments of of the season usually go well i say that but she lost to brady brisbane 2019 back in the day so maybe not but um but yeah i i think that it's good and in in a lot of ways you know she's the number one she's you know a a a reigning well whatever the champion what whatever you say about 2019 uh she has a seven match yes champion emeritus (laughs) she's got a seven match win streak at Roland Garros how about that um but uh she goes on you know kind of because of all of the hoopla of of the the week before Roland Garros and everything else with with all the media stuff and everything kind of goes in a little bit under the radar I feel like people are talking about Shviantek a little bit more uh than than Ash so I think that this is going to be a workman-like first week for Barty that's what that's what my that's what my instinct says. And then two uh, Americans uh, who could be tricky for Ash Loom in the fourth round potentially of the seeds in this section. Jen Brady, the Australian Open runner-up, is the 13th seed here. Is the high seed in Ash's eighth, the second highest seed in Ash's eighth of the draw. And then Coco Goff, who is seeded for the first time at a Grand Slam, getting up to 24 after winning her second career title for Sunclay in Parma, Italy, in pretty convincing fashion, especially in the final. Was very solid against Wang Chun. Yeah, lost one set. Yeah, tournament. so golf was playing Barty in the match in Rome where she pulled out in the quarterfinal. So golf will have some familiarity and maybe some confidence against Barty from that. I I I don't see too many challenges for golf and Brady except for maybe Sevastova in the first round for Brady because Sevastova is more comfortable on clay than I think Brady is. But 
yeah, I think this would be like a medium sort of size test for Ash in the fourth round. It's kind of my feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that on form, I think that that it's pretty well i don't know if i should say that but um it's pretty comfortable to to pencil in barty goff uh into that that uh round of 16 mainly Hmm. mainly because uh brady's i think one maybe one one match on clay this year uh struggling a little bit split with michael gesser oh i had not heard that yes they split so Hmm. um yeah about a week ago two weeks ago um So not exactly, and has struggled to win matches, to be quite frank, since Australian Open. Um, so not a lot of confidence for for Brady there, and she's not somebody who, despite the fact that I think that her game is has the potential to be great on this surface because of that heavy forehand, still doesn't quite believe um, yeah. as much yet. So the belief has some time to, to catch up with what her potential is. And, you know, there's a lot of players who are kind of slumping a little bit generally. Shea Suwei has really struggled on the clay this year. So it looks like this should be Goff's section. Um, could get a rematch with Wang Shang in, in the second round, uh, which was the final in, in Parma, with Goff, which Goff dominated. But yeah, on form, I mean, Barty comes into... Roland Garros 13 and three on clay golf is right behind her at 12 and three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by far they are the form players of, of, of that top section. Yeah. Shout out to one of the qualifiers here, uh, Liang and Shuo who love who's great. And was a junior Australian open champ and has not played many sort of big pro level draws. And so excited to see her, um, tough for a draw. We didn't mention this player, but Fiona Farrow is in there too, and she made the yes. fourth round of the French Open last year, I believe. Yeah, and so that's a she, she could potentially be a tough third round for golf, or t- for second round for Brady. Third round for golf could be tricky. Wouldn't be shocked to see her get through the fourth round there. That's a that's a good call there. Golf Golf Farrow would be a very very interesting third round match yeah. for sure. Especially golf against a French crowd of some capacity. Oh. Second section of the draw is led by number five, Alina Svitolina. Also has the Rome uh, runner-up, Carolina Pliskova, uh, Queen of Rome. Uh, and yeah, just a bunch of kind of names in this section. Like, I mean, the second round, the first round match, first of all, obviously amazing to see Carla Suarez Navarro back in a draw. Uh, we love to see it. Love to see it. Carla coming back after uh, overcoming Hodgkin's lymphoma um, and saying this is going to be her last French Open, but very, you know, proud of her. Very, she's very proud of herself. For and I'm I'm proud of her too for <laughs> making it back to the French Open um, and being able to pl- go out there one more time. She was in Madrid doing some training with other players and then made the call like, yeah, I feel ready for this. And t- tough, obviously, first round potentially against Sloane Stevens. And yeah, and then and then the winner of that plays Pliskova or maybe Vekic. Like that's a those are a lot of names. And then you have uh, Mukova in the in the third round of that section and who, who opens against Pekovic, who's playing with a protected ranking, who. Uh, it's done really well in Paris pretty year in, year out. Like she's as much as she's been kind of, you know, adrift a bit results wise, like Paris routinely brings out the best in Petco. She made third round. I think the last time it was held in last time I was there uh, in the spring. So yeah. So there are some, some names in. let's just talk about the Pliskova Mukova section first. I mean, what do you make of, what do you make of this, uh, this checkoff? Yeah. I mean, just like you said, a lot of big names, a lot of question marks around, you know, those big names. I still am pretty bullish on on Sloan. I think that she's been playing better and better with yeah. each one of her events and, and she seems really primed to 
make that run that, you know, um, I'm not saying she's going to win Roland Garros, but to really kind of reestablish herself as like kind of a, a regular threat on, you know, at big events. And she made the semifinals um, in Parma, lost to Wang Shang uh, mm-hmm. there. Um, weirdly, has never won a set off Wang Shang. I think it's now like 6-0 or 8-0 in sets. Mm. So kind of a weird uh, matchup there. But um, but yeah, I, I love that Carla's there. I love that Carla will get to play Sloan in that first round because you don't, I, this sounds so weird, not weird, but I don't mean to insult anybody, but like you don't, I, I wouldn't want Carla to like bow out of Roland Garros to like a qualifier yeah, or a, even not even a qualifier could be a seed, could be a top, you know, a, a top 50 player, but somebody that's not a name. I feel like there's, there's a lot to be, you kind of bow your, you know, like, like Roddick bowing out to Delpo. That was you nice. know yeah, that yeah. was nice that that's what you want Saffin to see. also battled to Delpo in, in Bear Sea. Delpo Delpo is the the Grim Reaper, the Mercy Killer, <laughs> both the both for other players and himself um, <laughs> and his own body. But uh, but yeah, so so I like that. I like that if she if she's going to bow out, if that's going to be her final match, that she will get to do it to a Grand Slam champion, to you know a player who's made the final here, like yep. no shame in it, and a, and a nice player as well. I mean, I think it'll be a really lovely moment at the net. If Sloan, if, will, be, Sloan uh, will be good at that, Sloan will be good at that. So, and, so I like it, that. Yeah, and Carla, we don't. I mean, yeah, assuming. assuming she loses, even. I mean, and <laughs> yeah. then if if she doesn't, you know, Pliskova for either player. I mean, like Stevens Pliskova is a really fun second match potentially. Yeah, uh, honestly, even Stevens Vekic, if that happens, it's a good second yep. round match. Um, and then Mukova, yeah, it's just fun to watch. And, and Mukova, she has this incredible ability that she doesn't play that much. She hasn't been playing that much this year. She's been plagued by an abdominal injuries after the Australian Open and then didn't play again until like Miami. No, mm-hmm. maybe even after that. But she hasn't been playing a ton. But when she shows up, she does something notable. I mean, yep. she she beat she beat Osaka in Madrid three sets. Um, she you're gonna say when she shows up, she beats Pliskova. <laughs> That's kind well, of what happens <laughs> routinely. This will, this would be a, she's trying to get the cal- the career slam of Pliskova wins, and this would be yeah, the third. The fun, I, think. <laughs> I think it is kind of funny that like she has, and this says a lot about Carolina Pliskova. This goes towards a conversation we were having yesterday, but that Mukova has like ethered her in like pretty embarrassing fashion at two big moments obviously at Wimbledon that one year with that epic match and then at the Australian Open earlier this year and then Mm -hmm. like just like three weeks ago like they're posting pictures of like chugging like like four there's four beers on the table and it's just the two of them in 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 Monaco or in Prague I don't know where they were smiling taking a selfie and I'm like I love this about Carolina Pliskova like like she doesn't take it personally the chill the chill the chill is chill the chill is chill (laughs) <laughs> a cold check pivo. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a, that's a fun section. So I keep can, an eye yeah. on Mukova is, is my yeah, point. Yeah, Mukova, Pliskova. Too. I mean, there's just a bunch of interesting sort of people. Here. I'm curious to see how Pliskova does, like what the sort of Rome, how the Rome run sets her up because interesting run. Obviously, making the final there, regaining some confidence, getting a very fast double bagel in the final. Um, but probably, but I think overall, like she posted about it afterwards with you know gelato or whatever. Like I think she's going to take that the positives out of that yeah. pretty well. I think it also probably solidifies, at least for outsiders, her partnership with Sasha Bayan, who's a high-profile yep. coach, and they had not had great results together in the first few months of the year. Uh, so maybe that quiets that sort of noise or whatever. Anyway, bottom half of this of this section, the Svitolina section, and this is a really good draw for Svitolina uh, to make it to the fourth round. Uh, names in here include uh, Venus Williams, who opens against the 32 seed uh, Alexandrova, and then also, and then the winner of that could play Barbara Krejcikova, who just won her first title 
in Strasbourg today and as we record this and the creature color glow up has been very cool this year we talked about her yeah or maybe Reem and I talked about her because she was a Dubai story I think but we talked about her at some point on the show and like she's really like for someone who the conversation was kind of like why is she still bothering with singles when she's you know mired to the top 200 and she's such a great doubles player like she's that's paid off you know she's now I think she probably would have been seated had the draw come out a little bit later I'm guessing yeah, yeah, she'll be. I think she. I think that's right because she went into to Strasbourg at thirty eight. So yeah. you know, and Bedosa just got seated at thirty four. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that I won't belabor the Krechkova story too much. It's it's yeah. It. I retweeted great. my article about it. If you yeah, know, if exactly. You I think it, which yeah. which kicks off the start of it. Um, but I think that it's really really interesting. Kind of her description of the struggle of wanting to pursue. A, a singles career when you're doing so well in doubles because like for her the problem was that she could play obviously with Katarina Siniakova at every single big event in doubles right so why wouldn't you but she couldn't even get into qualies and singles at those events so she wasn't unless she for she gave up on doubles and went and dropped down on the ITFs to like build up her singles ranking in order to even them out but why would you? Because she was making like really good money and obviously having good success as a doubles player. But that's where it kind of it, it that was the difficulty for her. It's like she was saying that like during the the shutdown last year, she was you know ranked. She hadn't still broken to the top one hundred. She was still ranked number one thirty something. And she's playing Kvitova. She's playing Mukhova. She's playing Shritsova, and she's playing them well and playing them tight. And the frustration of being like their top, you know. 50 players they're great i'm right there with them but my ranking doesn't let me play them like you know ever problem solved now i mean that's yeah you mentioned the timing she was not top 100 we had her on the show actually uh during the french open one of the daily podcasts last year with krishikova and last and only only not the usual year ago it was only what like seven months ago yeah and it was the day she got into top 100 for the first time it was a cool moment having her on the show that day so i recommend going back if you want to hear Learn more she's about great Barbara she's a real she's a good yeah. talker she's she's um, one of the adults in the room also she's just like mature and obviously everything she went i'm sure went through with you know having yana as her coach and yana falling ill those sorts of things can you know mature a person uh faster than they might otherwise yeah and and uh like she was telling the press you know like uh strasburg was yana's first clay title that she won um and this is now you know uh first title across the board for for barbara so there's a rare there's just good vibes around that whole story so i hope that she's able to recover that she's doing well you know plays you know uh uh chris plus um in the first round but uh, mm-hmm. but an opportunity there for sure i mean yeah. krichikova alexandrova on clay i mean don't you, hate it for why for, yeah for barbara yeah yeah so but yes, this qu- is a good section for Svitolina. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would agree. The next quarter of the draw is anchored by number four, Sonia Kennan, uh, who is a finalist last time she was in Paris, making the final, losing to Svantec. Good run to that final. Kind of a forgotten run to that final, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Um, she is a tough draw, opening against uh, Elena Ostapenko, 2017 French Open champion. That's definitely one of the many, like, circleable first-round matches in this draw. Um, just on French Open resume alone, like finalist versus champ in the first round is pretty crazy. Kennan comes in uh, with a lot of, I don't want to say question marks, but a lot of just sort of um, probably uncertainty and, and, and lack of, and, and still kind of in transition. She just recently parted with her father, who is her longtime coach and very much her, her anchor 
on tour and 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 her guide the tour and i think i'm not sure if she's found a new full-time coach quite yet not that she's she, disclosed yeah. not that she's disclosed so she is you know still working through that and and this and so i wouldn't necessarily and you know we saw in australia too how much she felt the pressure of being a defending champion in australia so i'm not totally sure where her head's at i've not so i don't think she did pre-tournament press which is fine but so i'm not not going in bullish on her considering she is by the seeds you know the high section in this the high seed in this in this quarter of the draw i think it's balanced out because there's a lot of other big names in this section so shvantec is in here and mugarus is in here uh not in this eighth but in the other part so it's not like this section is going to collapse just because of as of uh kenan which actually kind of the same thing happens on the men's side if you want to talk about medvedev later it's sort of a, a, a tent pole who's not the sturdiest tent pole at this at the moment um but yeah but kenan uh yeah i think she's a tough tough draw against Ospenko. i kind of would Lightly favor Ospenko in that uh, as a big sort of stage player, and then yeah, you look at other players in this section who are doing well. Jess Pagula is the other seed in this uh, little section, mini section of the draw at twenty eight. It's Pagula's first time seeded at a slam as well, and Pagula just beat Naomi Osaka in Rome. Is not just that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it wasn't even just. I mean, the win over Osaka is arguably the least impressive of the wins that she's been able to tally on clay. She got wins over Kasatkina. Uh, yeah. I think she beat. Did she beat Sakari? No, she couldn't have beaten Sakari. But she had like a couple of like legit clay, like wins where you're like, oh, that's like a legit clay win. And she got pasted by Sabalenka in Madrid. But she said that like, actually that match, I learned so much because like I basically got a front row ticket to watch another power player play on clay and realize like, I don't need to be doing what I'm doing. Like she's like, Sabalenka is like on the baseline. Like, why am I dropping back? Like, this is stupid. Like, you know, so um, yeah. So Pagula, very, very interesting one. And and also, you know, there's a lot, well, actually maybe things are a little bit, well, we'll see there. No, there still is very much a chase for Olympic qualification between Goff and Pagula. Risk just pulled out. Um, so they theoretically, if they get some points here, we'll be able to overtake Ali. And I think Ali might have been in the last four spot. And then there's Keys, who is just a few spots ahead of them. So there's this whole kind of internal U.S. race yeah. for this the, the, the quantum spots. Right? They set yeah. the roster after this. It's Monday, yeah. Monday after, yeah. So there is that. Um, the other storyline in this section, uh, speaking on Kenan, she's still seeking her first main draw win on clay uh, this season. Mm. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of her form. Kenan, uh, she started Kenan, the season so well. I mean, she had like really good Abu Dhabi tournament. She played a pretty good um, lead up to Melbourne or a uh, Melbourne lead up. And then it kind of all came crashing down at the Australian open. She is outside the top 60 in the race right now, Kenan. So <laughs> at number four, this deep into the season, that that's a big, big, big dichotomy there. Um, yeah. So, so again, and there have been things... other things. She had uh, appendicitis in 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 oh, February. Yeah. Had to have surgery. I mean, there's a lot going on. I don't think anybody think... is. I don't think anybody's no. worth, you know down on her for this. I think people are just saying this no. is sort of you know things happen for her. You know, this happens with a lot of players. You know, things happen for her very quickly in 2020, making winning a slam very unexpectedly and or very ahead of schedule, and then making another final, getting player of the year, like consensus player of the year, really in 2020, and then yeah, and so that she's having. There's there's sort of a sophomore slump. I think it's probably fair to call this year, and some with with complications as well. Uh, is is not too surprising. It's fine. I mean, I think it's I fine. feel like I it's I feel fine. like people are giving her the space yeah. to to transition, which is what she you know, which is right. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it takes time. So it's she did it's her okay. cocoon becoming a butterfly. Yeah. But uh, but that being said, Ostapenko's had a great clay season. Really, really good. She had match points on Pliskova um in right. in Rome. Uh was hitting and she just demolished Kerber in that event. Like she she's hitting the ball really, really well, Ostapenko. So be careful. Be careful. Great to see Haley Baptiste. I was gonna say Haley Baptiste on the Patreon mailback episode. DC's finest. Heard. DC's finest. Yeah, Haley Baptiste, uh, who grew up really like a mile and a half from where I grew up in DC. So we live pretty close. We grew up, I mean, she's on basically like, yeah, about 16 blocks away from where I am roughly. Good to see her getting into this main draw. Uh, she did on her own merits as, as a qualifier. Uh, Blinkova's been a pretty solid French Open player actually in racing years. So not the easiest first mm-hmm. round draw, but a good a good chance where she'll feel like she has a chance and just good to get in the mix here as well um so speaking of names like two of the players it's funny they're together but two of the players i always feel like are still better than their rankings Their rankings aren't bad but are the two seeds elsewhere in this canon uh eighth of the draw who are elisa mertens and maria sakari and i think they both have really clean runs to the third round or that could be a quite the throwdown yeah um, I, th- I think and... that third round is the was one of the big big third rounds that are like sliding doors third rounds um if and that I would expect happens whoever, I, I would expect whoever wins that to be a, a favorite could to get to the quarter also i guess yeah. whoever comes out of the canon pagula baptiste martinkova section <laughs> uh uh so the fourth section of the draw fourth eighth of the draw at the bottom of the of the quarter is, is shviantek who opens against kai yuvan oh by the way <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't do you didn't do your rafa thing <laughs> i know but I, let me let me let me let me i'm, I'm looking at the draw now okay Looking at looking at the uh, third section, Heather Watson. Does Rafa know who this woman is? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he- I'm because Heather, Heather would be Heather, someone yeah, else who you see. Likely. Yeah, but like you see and you would notice, and she's and, very outgoing, and she's very outgoing. And she's, she's British, so she gets attention there. Yeah, yeah. So that's a yes for we think we think she does know, but <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Julin? No, I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna say yes to Julin. Well, here, here's uh, a fair. Here's a fair one. Marta Kostiuk, who opens against Garbina Muguruza. Yeah, I'm gonna you say think? no. You're no, gonna say no. You're gonna say, I'm gonna say no. I don't think she, I don't think she's had the result. I mean, I'm saying yes to Garbina, <laughs> but I'm saying no to Marta Kostiuk. <laughs> I um, love I love the hot takes that you bring to the podcast. I think that Rafa knows Garbina. Yes, fair. Enough. I know. But okay, okay. But the other ones in that so there's two other Spaniards <laughs> in that section in in. Uh, uh, Oh, he knows them. I think he knows them too. (laughs) Does he know? Oh, I'm curious. Do you think he knows who Camilla Georgie is? That's a good borderline one. I think yes, because I think she has a very distinctive fashion sense around the grounds. And he would have looked at her and been like, This is my question, though. What is this doily that she's wearing? But the question is, is do I mean, I guess I'm thinking of it, it like, I think that he would recognize Camilla Georgie. I think that he would recognize Heather Watson. Does he know that the names are matched to the player? I don't that Heather, I think he knows. I think he knows. I don't Heather. think he knows. I'm looking at the, I don't think he knows some of the seeds in this section. I don't think he knows Marditch or Contivate. I don't think he does. Anyway. I don't know, Ben. I I I have a little bit more confidence in Rafa than than I think you do. But I just I'm I've heard him just, talk I, about women's tennis and it doesn't come from a place of deep knowledge. <laughs> or or his finger is not on the pulse. Well, you know. He got. He, but, I but hope that but he got but, his selfie with with the the reigning women's champion. I know. Because happy birthday to you, Rafa. The yes. connections between Iga and Rafa are kind of creepy. If you step back, okay. So apparently, this is what I've been told because I do like, not Lincoln speak. Kennedy thing you're about to do here. Well, I'm just saying that, like you know, I have been told 
and Polish fans can correct me if I'm wrong, that Świętek means Christmas in Polish, which Nadal means in Catalan. I saw something tweeting about this today. It means like some sort of festivity, not festivity, Christmas. not Christmas though. Yeah, no, I was trying to Google it and I don't think that it's specifically that, but it's with, within the zone, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of the characters obvious... on that Dari episode of Holiday Island or whatever that was terrible. There you yeah. go. There you yeah. go. Uh, you know, uh, great on clay, reigning Roland Garros champions, both saved match points, uh, two match points, three, two, two match points in third round of Rome to go on to win the title. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, you know, it's, it, and they're both born within two days. Like their birthdays are two days apart. Rafa won his first clay title or first title on tour in Poland. So pop. My goodness. They sprung there from the are same layers. Dirt. They are layers to this, to this, but uh, but to uh, tiramisu. Speaking of, I, um, uh, of layers, uh, reminded me of Iga's social media post where she posted a picture of like the cross section of the clay and it's like no I get why I like clay because it looks tiramisu I love that that was good content I also saw on Iga's Insta um, she tweeted a picture of herself like drinking coffee and, and watching tennis and have and reading a book on her Kindle I zoomed in to see what the book was on the Kindle obviously and it's obviously some like deeply in-depth history of scientific discovery or something yes. involved like it's in polish but i could make out the words like cavendish laboratories or something like that it's like <laughs> it is like it is intense and as, is... as as one does it's so we never change we, Iga on we, lo- we love her we love we love i, I told kid. the story before obviously about Iga, the tutors uh, who was at who, when she came to kai yuvan's press her legit tour yeah, bestie kai yuvan take a, take a moment to explain the sviantek yuvan thing to the listeners in the event that they don't know this whole thing anyway yeah. because it's I great mean, it's, it's it's basic it's basically as simple as it is as the besties. one press conference that i have ne- that i wasn't at that to this day i have incredible fomo about like so, i hear the legend of it and i wish yeah. i was there and i wasn't there so it was at it was at rohampton wimbledon qualifying kai yuvan was there um, and her buddy Iga Shiontek, who was still you know ranked outside top fifty at this point, and not really a big name. I mean, obviously it's a junior champ. People kind of who if you knew you knew, but you know most people didn't know, as is the case so often. And um, uh, Shiontek is there watching uh, Yuvan on the sort of on the sort of show court of Roehampton, which is the one that they have dressed up the <laughs> the the what if Pova court that they built. I, in case I was going to say, was this the Pova year? <laughs> It was not the Pova year, I don't think, but, but it, was it was the, the Pova, court. They, they the kept the court, maybe. but it was the court. They basically made like one sort of show court, <laughs> Roehampton, for if Maria came. They, the they didn't say that, but it was, it was very, it was very obvious. Anyway, uh, so Yuvan plays on this court. Shantek is there in the stands, like reading <laughs> during the match. Obvious. And they have this long, and they and they, and and Iga's sort of they're like gonna hang out together after the match or something, and so Iga's like sort of like loitering around during the press conference and sort of clearly like eavesdropping and maybe even like chiming a couple times. We were like, Iga, you should just, you know, come on, join us at this table. Me and Alex McPherson. And I'm not sure who else was there. Um, maybe, maybe Tumani. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, so we're there and they sort of start talking about each other's interests. And, and Kaya, first of all, has all these interesting like philosophy or, or, or psychology type stuff that she's reading and all these like pretty intense, you know, scholarly stuff she's doing there. And then she talks about Iga going all over uh, London, you know, doing her British history stuff. And I have the quote that I use is not the, I've listened back to it. I didn't get this quote exactly right, but I'm gonna, I like my version more where <laughs> where Iga, where, you know, she's talking about like she gets all these, you know, she bought like a T-shirt with Henry VIII on it. It's crazy. And Iga goes, you know, I love the Tudors. It's it my kills thing. me every time. It kills you know, me every I love time. The Tudors. And so she's reading this book that's like the book that Iga had with her at Roehampton was this like like 900 page tome and about, you know, some sort of European history thing, I think. And 
I remember seeing her reading it there. And then I saw her like two or three days later at Wimbledon carrying the same book. And the bookmark had advanced like a third of the way through this book. Like she was like, I was like, wow, you read a lot more of that book. And she was like, basically looked at me like, I don't carry this around for decoration. Like, of course I'm powering through this book. Like, what do you mean? So I don't know. As somebody who checks a lot of books out from the library and gets 10 pages into them, uh, if that, I am in awe of Iga's, Iga's mastery of that. Like yeah. we have this, we have this conversation. I have this conversation. I do a lot of trivia stuff now. Like it being like good at trivia, like actually it makes you good, like indicates any success in any other area of life or career. Mm. Kind of leaning no mostly. Um, but like Ega's ability to like focus on that and this, I feel like is there's some sort of connection there. I feel no, like. I mean, because she also, she just has this ability to focus and just like get stuff done. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, so you have the whole book. Th- I mean, not that I don't read. It's not like I'm illiterate. I, I read quickly as when I like reading as well. But um, like all of these Lego sets that she's been doing, like these are, I mean, these are like three, $400 Lego sets of like two, like thousands of pieces. These are adult mm. Lego sets that if you've ever done, I mean, I've done a few. Um, and if you've ever sat down to do them, they are arduous. This yeah. isn't just playtime with Legos. I mean, it's a construction. You have to follow the instructions. It's very engaging, very soothing. I mean, I enjoy it. But like that she can do and complete these things while she's at tournaments, I find fascinating. Like that she can engage her mind and not just want to lie on the, the the bed and just like fucking watch anime, which is what, all I'm doing these days, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but um you know, but she can just sit there and just engage and do them. There's something about that, you know, in terms of like, I have this book, I'm reading it. Like, I have this Lego set, I'm crushing it. Like, this is, you know, th- there's something there, I think, yeah. that that illustrates the way her mind works. It's impressive, because I, yeah. I don't I, I don't have the attention span. I, I move between things so Speaking quickly. of that, let's get back to the draw. Shviontek <laughs> <laughs> uh, opened against Kaya Yuvan. Um, Not making could, progress. Could be a tricky but... match, as Carlos Moya said in this conversation. That was always tricky playing your friends. Um, once, once they did a lengthy explanation of who Kai Yuvan is, um, and he was bless Carl Smart, he was he was ready, he was game for that to to get onto you know. It was a content. very sweet interaction. Like, it is very it's sweet. Very it's good very content. Sweet. Highly um, recommends. Glad RG caught. Possibly it. tricky second round, uh, maybe against Shelby Rogers, who's just been yeah. playing great. I think Shelby's dangerous. Shelby and as comfortable on clay made the quarters of French Open back in 2016 during the the drench Open year, and I Poor definitely Shelby think... who keeps who keeps pulling Ash. Yeah. She's played Ash like four times this year, which is yeah. crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah. And then I'm very confident that Rafa probably knows who Kiki Mladenovic is. I'm going to put that out there. As this unseated player, he would have known Mladenovic. Yes, he'd he would know, know Mladenovic. Well, he'd yeah, know him. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Through team, sure. if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. Uh, but she's just more of a, a visible person. Uh, so that is the top half of the draw. Oh, that, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm skipping ahead Hello. of the fact that we get Sviantek and, and Muguruza fourth round potentially. And, One thing and about Mug, Muguruza. And Mug's Kostiuk. Yeah, Muguruza Kostiuk, very circleable first round. Winner plays Sribas Tormo or Zhang. Uh, just flagging yeah, because Tormo, yeah. because Muguruza was in interview room two, which is not transcripted, so many people don't know. But um, she did say that she's still not 100%. And she was asked kind of point mm. blank, you know, do you consider yourself a favorite to win this title? And you know Garbinier, like she she isn't one to like, she she, she might sidestep that question. And be like, you know, but but she was like, no, like right now, false, sitting she's not here, falsely modest. Yeah, but yeah. but she's like right sitting here right now. No, 
Like she, and so, you know, when, when when people were asking about her preparation mm. and stuff like that, again, a lot of players are very, they'll big up themselves a little bit. Oh yeah, my prep's been fine, like blah, blah, blah. But she was very like, it's been tricky. It's been tough, you know, with the injury and all of that. So really, really frustrating. She, I mean, you know, we all, we all want to see her like in those final stages, you know? Um, and I think that once the clay hit, uh, whether it was, yeah, it's just, she's been fighting off injury and then now she's, she doesn't feel that she has enough matches at the moment is yeah. what she said. So I'm just flagging that. I really want to see Iga Muguruza. They did play in Dubai. Uh, Muguruza dominated that match, really. It was mm-hmm. um, um, highly anticipated. It was over pretty quickly. Um, but um, I would love to see that at Roland Garros. That could be a potential, um, you know, round of 16. But yeah. I I don't know that Garby has it for be- going through maybe Kostiuk, Cerebus, Tormo, and, and maybe a Martich. That's 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 a tough. That's tough. That's a tough. This that's section a tough is trio. tough. This is yeah. this is tough. Even even for for Iga, we don't call Iga a draw winner by any stretch. I mean, Iga's right. you know Yuvan, Rogers, Contivate, yeah. or, or Milenovic. Even maybe Milenovic gets one of her you know Paris Mojo moments, uh, and then Martich or, or Muguruza is not an easy path to the quarters for a defending champion. Also, you've talked about seeing wanting to see Muguruza, you know. At her best. I just want to see her in the top 10. I think it's so crazy that she's been so good yeah. for so long and still is not, eventually, you know, the rankings will thaw and she'll maybe get up there sooner. But like, it's just like, uh, it's, it's glacial, uh, yeah. her progress. And, and Iga took forever to get into the top 10 too, having won a slam. Uh, anyway, bottom half of the draw to a bunch of big names or three, three, you know, multiple slam champs in this section here, led by Serena Williams, uh, who opened against Arena Camellia Begu. And they could get Arantxa Roos or Buzernescu, Dr. Buzz, and then potentially Kerber, who's still going for her career slam at the French Open. This uh, is true. <laughs> and Serena is going for her fourth career slam at the French Open to have at least four of each, which I think would equal Steffi, I think. I that sounds right. Steffi yeah. has that. So, you know, not that she needs more sort of goals or expectations, but it's nice to keep them, you know, in the pro era if we're going to do those conversations. So, um, yeah, Serena has not looked great on on clay. Uh, she's only played three matches. She lost first match of Rome to Podoroska. Um, she then won a match against a player whose name I forget, honestly, but it was outside the top Lisa 500. Picato. Lisa Picato. Lisa Picato. Picato, Picato, si, si. And uh, in Parma. And uh, Emilia Romana. And then uh, she lost to Siniakova. In the second round, like these are not bad losses, but they're definitely not confidence-inspiring performances either. I have wondered openly why she is bothering with Clay when I feel like it's going to be the toughest thing for her. And you have uh, the same logic with Roger, don't you? Yeah, same like, logic why, with Roger, totally. Or like, like Andy, I think. Why would Andy want to play Paris? Right, and Andy eventually did Paris. pull out of Paris yeah, yeah. when, like, when the goals are so when the goal is so clearly Wimbledon. Like, I just feel like the trade. People are like, well, they need matches. Like, I guess they need matches, but like, do they need? you know, to risk injury and confidence damaging through taking, you know, various kinds of damage on, on, on the clay when it's really like not optimizing their, their chances at 39 years old for both Serena and Roger to, to lump them together again. I don't know. I just, I, it's, I think even her coach, Patrick Mortoglu said like, he doesn't expect Serena to win this tournament, which you'd never hear him say normally. Well, but at the same um, time, don't you dare say that Serena Williams can't win it. Yeah, that, was he, a had very bo- confusing he had both sides of, of that coin. My gosh, Patrick has it has it covered. Bless him. I understood what he was saying. I just was like, but you, but you're throwing Francesca under the bus for saying exactly what you said, which is 
Based on form, was, no, but you always know that Serena can. I don't know. And then you yeah. said it. I don't know. It was it was confusing. The thing with Schiavone is though that she has great eyewear. Oh my god, those glasses are amazing. That photo from Jimmy is iconic. That's a great great yeah. Jimmy photo of of, yeah. of coach of Coach Frank. In Lo- the, in the love glasses. love that Francesca's coaching Martich and love like what Martich was was kind of saying about what it's like to be coached by Francesca, which was actually very interesting because Martich was saying that what Francesca has brought to her is like to that it's okay not to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So like Francesca's kind of like she'll like Martich will like miss a ball and be, she'll be like it's fine you miss balls I mean it's whatever and I I kind yeah. of love that that's the Yoda Zen vibe that, that feels that, so on brand for Skivoni too yeah yeah like, exactly Skivoni was not about playing like perfect you know tennis it was, it was about sort of just like making it into something more tactile and, and, and wrestling with a match and, and anyway, just try so, your best yeah. and and be yeah. happy when you walk up the court you tried your best i mean cerebus tormo has this attitude a lot of like there are going to be players that are better than me i don't think that i'm as good as everybody else but i will make them work and i will try to win every single point yeah. and if i f- if i fail i fail and it's okay you know so um yeah I have on just on the back to the draw. I have a very tough time sort of calling this Serena first week. You know, like Begu, I could see being a tough if she's really not you know markedly better than she was in those world tournaments. And Begu is, I think, a good day. Begu does not have a lot of big slam wins to her name at all. She's been around a lot. She's had a lot of chances and really has not closed many of those out. But she plays a, a very clay friendly game, a very heavy game. Um, could get Serena on a, a bad day and hit Serena only her second career ever first round losses slam still only Rosano and both if um, it happens both of them would be at Roland Garros yeah yeah and then you know maybe similar for I, I like the the Roos and Buzernescu I think it's an easier second round potentially and then third round against uh, Kerber or, or Daniel Collins I don't know I could see this going a lot of ways this section I mean I still would think Serena is the favorite in every match she plays in this in this section um, probably even all the way out to if she plays Kvitova in the fourth round. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I, 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 I don't have any much sort of, I don't, nothing's coming to me in my, my visions it's, for this section. It's hard because it, it also, I mean, Collins, obviously what semifinalists last year, um, which everyone forgets, um, mm-hmm. semi, right? Yeah. Semi against, uh, Kennan. No, no quarter quarter finalist against Kennan with, yeah. Almagro and everything that was a quarter mm-hmm. right yeah yeah she made quarters against uh uh against Kennan and then Kennan beat Kvitova in the semis yes okay yeah sorry putting it all together but and yeah Collins so Mugaruta on route there too and and ons yeah and so as you can Collins... remember from the really great scream compilation of of Daniel Collins's <laughs> friendship in 2020 you can see who she's playing there Love it. Um, but but um, yeah, but obviously Danielle coming back, playing her first event since since um, having surgery for endometriosis. But yeah. the game is there and, and she she started the season well. I mean, she beat Ash in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game is there. So, you know, and Kerber, yeah, she has her woes on clay. But, you know, you never know. Maybe, but I also kind of feel like with when Serena and Angie, if they play in the third round, I think that every all the noise of how what a form of yeah. oh you've lost in the warm-ups goes out the door and it Completely. becomes Serena versus Angie as though they're playing a final uh, yeah. at a major so I think that they they'll lock in if that matchup happens at least Serena will for sure I think um and maybe yeah, Angie if she as takes well the court for that match she'll lock in yeah exactly so yeah no it's a very it's a very tricky section to 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 call and even just that entire uh 
not quarter, but that that eighth, that eight, you know, yeah. that includes Kavitova and Rabakina in there. I mean, is this Petra to the semis again? I think, like, I think you Petra know? is a draw winner. I think Petra's got to like her draw a lot. She played Griezmann yeah. in, in uh, many in times. First, <laughs> in, yeah, many times, including the first round of the Australian Open this year. Yeah. Um, Rabakina, I've said this before, I feel like it's the player who is most sort of girl interrupted of the whole pandemic in terms of just being on a yeah. trajectory and not really getting back that mojo uh, yet. Um, and, and yeah, so I think Kudov is a draw winner here, which is weird to say in a Serena section, but Serena just hasn't proven that she has this sort of form. Obviously that can change, but Kvitova, um, I like get to the quarters and then she, then she plays in, you want to move to the next sort of section here. You've heard of the, the, the British girl group from X Factor, Courtney, uh, Little Mix. I have heard of, yes. I don't know a single song. This section of the draw is Little Minsk. Because we got Sabalenka, that was Azarenka, Sastovich. I worked really hard for it. Please appreciate it, folks. Um, <laughs> and uh, Sabalenka, like I think, comes in here. It's one of those weird things where I think Sabalenka's got to be a big favorite on paper, but she's also never made a slam quarter. So, yep. so she's she, the yeah. She's the only player in the top sixteen seeds to have yet to make a slam semi, let alone quarter. Mm, wow that's a stat like i i found i've you know like it was one of those but that being said i have a lot of confidence in sabalenka in paris we'll see if it pans out because i was very impressed by what she did at the australian open yes it ended the way that it did in the round of 16 to serena but like she brought it there was never a moment in that in that performance even in that quarterfinal where you know, okay, at the end, maybe you one could say that she got, you know, I think Serena ran off the last like nine, nine points or something like that of the match. I can't remember specifically, maybe more than that. But um, she she showed up, she brought her game, the chips fell where they fell, you know, um, that gives me a lot of confidence, especially knowing that she kind of continued that form, right? I mean, Miami three setter to, to Ash that she lost, Stuttgart lost to Ash in, in three sets again, and then beat Ash in Madrid you know, got beat by Goff in Italy, in Rome, which a little bit surprising, especially because it was straight sets. But also given how much she had played, you kind of, you mm -hmm. know, you put in the back of your mind, like not not going to read too much into that one. She comes in rested. I liked how her attitude in her press conference of just like, she seems very calm, very chilled out and just kind of like, we'll see how we go. Like, you know, like I'm just here to play good tennis. That's my goal. And I'm not obsessing about trying to win a slam like you know i'm just trying to get wins i don't know i just liked her whole vibe um yeah. and i and i have liked it from the start of this season um so i'm feeling i'm feeling good about her i mean again like since Australia, you know uh, she lost she won abu dhabi lost to kanepi in the melbourne 500 lost to serena mm -hmm. round of 16 australian open back-to-back -back losses to muguruza in the middle east back-to-back uh, -back losses to Barty in Miami, Stuttgart, won Madrid, lost to Goff. She's not taking bad losses. No, not at all. And, and that's, the, that's, the, see... that's the thing that's like what's, what's so impressive about Sabalenka, who we talk about as a ball basher, that she's become the model of consistency results-wise. Yep. yep. That's that's really impressive that someone with that kind of game has the, 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 the margins, as they are, you know, of littering the stat sheet, is working out in her favor more often than not now, very, very routinely. Um, yep. If she is feeling any sort of, you know, opening night jitters of of the of the slam i don't think anaconya is a great person to play anaconya is sure. playing better obviously a super talented player people might, who haven't followed tennis might not know her recently might not know her that well because she's been offline for so long with her injuries 
Um, but she's, you know, made a U.S. Open quarterfinal as a teenager. She's a, a very talented player and uh, not the easiest first round draw. And there's a couple of tests like this. Like, you know, if she goes out, if Sabalenka goes out like third round to Pavlyuchenkova, is that a bad loss? No. Like if she goes out, you know, fourth round to Azarenka, is that a bad loss? No. Or even Keys probably. Um, or even like if Kuznetsova gets on a hot streak. I mean, I would expect Sabalenka to be a favorite in all of those, but like classic women's tennis circa now, like, you know, there's a lot of credible, credible names and threats in there and a lot of credible obstacles and where she does, where she does control her own destiny, but also there's like, there's real, there's real challenges. And I would throw Kvitova in there too. I, I would, I'd be interested to see if that, that, that quarter, we'll talk, we'll reset before the second week, but like if that quarter happens, that'd be a very interesting quarter for me. Yeah. No, because I mean, Petra I has so much more second week experience and I wonder how much that would play. Yeah, it's really it's it's very true, and and and, and yeah, it's a very very intriguing quarter. I mean, I yeah, that first rounder with Kanyuk when she was once she qualified and was placed there, and and she might be wiped as well. I mean, she had to retire from the final in Belgrade to Bedosa uh, due mm-hmm. to injury, and then had to turn around. She got a Tuesday start. That was a Saturday, so she had to turn around like you know seventy two hours later to start her qualifying campaign in Paris. Uh, she qualified yesterday. She had to play a match yesterday to qualify, which was a Friday. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's that's a lot of matches. Last Why are you thoughts. giving me that look? Last three thoughts. Well, it's questions very mischievous. You. Last three okay. thoughts on this section. Does Rafa Corny. know? <laughs> Does Rafa know? Here we go. Does Rafa know? Seven like a quarter edition. Does Rafa know Daniel Collins? I think that's a tricky one. I would I say know. yes I, because I, I kind of want to say yes because she's, she's she would have been around. Yeah, she's when made he was around, I think he probably did. Well, I'm trying to remember. She, what I can't remember what Rafa. What did, did he do at Australia? Yeah. Off the top of my head. Um, mm, trying to cross reference that, but yeah, she's been around. She has a very distinctive laugh. He would have heard her in the player lounge. He would have heard that, um, and coached by Almagro. So oh, I think the Almagro thing, yes, but. But like, that's easy. would he know like down the walking down the hallway? Oh, that's Daniel Collins, fifty fifty. <laughs> but like, he no, should. No, I say seventy five twenty five. I think okay. that the fact that she's gone deep at majors and and um yeah, uh, deep at majors and then also the Almagro connection. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling okay. it. I'm going seventy five twenty five for Rafa. Feeling it at seventy five. All right. Yeah. Next one, a sort of a tour veteran, um, Elena Vesnina, who's with protected ranking coming back from maternity leave here. Uh, does he know Vesnina? I'm not sure he does. I'm, I'm going to take the no on this one. I feel like he knows the face for sure. And I'm sure they like say hello. But could he tell you, oh, that's Elena Vesnina. But Elena's anything so meaningful about her? Gregarious, so, nice. so open. Like she yes. would not be somebody who would be shy about saying hi to Rafa. That's true. Or introducing herself. I don't know. I. And she's been I'm, around the tour a long time. I'm not giving you the easy ones here. I mean, like these. No, are like, I these know are, that one's yeah. that one's that one's bubble. I'm curious. I, you know what? NCR fans, let us know. Let us know then, what you think on these. And then the third one I have, which I also think is potentially interesting and thought provoking, is: <laughs> Does Rafael Nadal know who Christina McHale is? She speaks Spanish. She does. That's why I was like. Oh. She speaks Spanish. Her sister was married to an ATP player. She's been around. She's. I'm going to say think... no. I'm going to okay. say no because I mainly because I because I'm not sure that Christina has, you know, this is the opposite problem of of Danielle. Like I don't think that she's made a deep run. Yeah. 
you know, even her wins when she when she beat like Wozniacki back in the day, That's like insane. those are early rounds. Like it's yeah. not enough to kind of you need to kind of you need to be around when the when the locker rooms filter out. And like and she, you're, you're you're you can't be ignored. Like you're not a face in the crowd now. You're yeah. like literally the only other person standing in line getting sushi. Yeah. You know. And I think she has the opposite per- kind of personality in the sort of you know in the corridors of a Vesnina. She's not someone who's going to go up to Rafa and start a conversation with him. Probably true. Um, yeah. All right. So there, that brings us to the bottom quarter of the draw, uh, the Naomi Osaka quarter of the draw. We'll start with the other section. We'll start with Andrescu, um, who's six. Uh, Still, like, not a lot of data on Andrescu. Undefeated on clay. Let's just <laughs> let's just be clear. Undefeated. <sighs> best winning percentage on clay. Minimum three matches. Career. Like, 100%. I know. <laughs> I know that she, like, she lives in Miami. And it was, like, very, like, honestly, like, moving is maybe too strong a word. But it was, like, you know, very thoughtful. She's like, I don't want to be known as a player who's, like, always withdrawing and, and getting injured. Yeah. But, like, still doing that. So. It's tough. So it's it's tough to get real, you know, data on on her. Um, but if she's healthy, I think she can beat every player in this section. I think it's a pretty open section of the draw. Um, the bottom quarter the, is the open is the is the yeah, quarter of opportunity across absolutely. the board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so which puts a lot of pressure. I think not a lot of pressure. I mean, that's that's a lie. It's up to them whether or not they feel the pressure or not. But this. I think that on the whole, this bottom quarter, the Osaka Andrescu quarter, is the is the the open quarter. It's the lightest quarter. It's the quarter yeah. that Osaka and Andrescu should make through to make the quarter, like just based on on talent, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and and form. There's a lot of players, even the seeds who are in here, except for Veronica Kudermetova, um, who everybody should should keep an eye out, and Paula Bedosa, who we can talk about later in yeah. a second, but. Um, you know, those are the dark horses through this quarter. But Andrescu, we were cracking the joke, but in case people don't know, she's only played three WTA main draw matches in her entire career on clay. Um, she has won all three of them. Uh, going into Strasbourg last week, uh, or this week, whatever, um, she'd only played one. It yeah. was a win over Maria Bushkova, Marie Bushkova in long 2019. Win. A long win. It was spanned over, over two days. And Bushkova was ranked 118. Bojkova is still the highest ranked player that Andrescu has played on clay in a WTA main draw match. Not um, even beaten, just played. Just played. And she's I think three. a mantle which Tamara <laughs> Zdansek will take over in at, yeah. you know, assuming Bianca takes court for that match. Exactly. So there's all you know, there, so it's one of those things where my instinct is, especially the way that Bianca plays, oh my gosh. Like, and she doesn't hate clay. Like she she seems to like it enough and all that mm-hmm. sort. So you're like, oh. This girl can totally, but we don't have the metrics yet. And then you add to that the the questions again about her physicality, about 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 whether or not her body can hold up, and and it's tough. But but I like the straw for her for sure. Speaking of Bozkova, I think the the real hurdle for for Andrescu comes in the third round of literally any of those four women she could play in the third round. I mean, the, it's a loaded yeah. little mini section there. Bozkova, Siniakova, first round. We mentioned Siniakova earlier, having beaten Serena and Parma. Which probably has to help her confidence, and then and went on to make the semis. Like she didn't yeah. flop yeah. the next match, you know. Like she continued to play well. Mm-hmm. Took, was well. the only player to take a set off golf that week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Anisimova also in there. Anisimova and Andrescu played a real wild Ooh, yeah. uh, Miami match against <laughs> each other. That was that was uh, quite a show. And then Anisimova, you know, has made a French Open semifinal. Last time it was held in the spring, so she's got to be coming and had Barty on the ropes. Hungry. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, that was a, a talk, talk about, about a sliding about doors. 
that could have been Amanda Aminisimova, Roland Garros champion. Absolutely. For sure. So we'll be interested to see what kind of attitude she has at Roland Garros with that in mind. Um, This next section, I think, is, is, again, pretty... It's tough. This is another tough one, just to sort of make sense of. Like Benchich is the high seed here at ten, but she famously does not like clay. Does not have really her, her great sort of attitude on clay. Maybe even more than like a former thing. It's about attitude for her. She opens against Nadia Podoroska, who is the defending semifinalist at this tournament, lest we forget. Uh, and then second round, they could get uh, Daria Kasakina, who's trending upwards this year, has been comfortable at this tournament, made quarters. Uh, not a great clay season for Dasha. But... Not a great clay season, no. But like generally, but like obviously, generally, yeah, yeah. And then and then Kanta. <laughs> who is the 19th seed, who has a tricky draw, you know, potentially against Kirstea, um, who, won her who first might title be a little a bit gassed. This year. But, yeah, yeah, and then Kanta, um, but Kanta's done, Kanta made semis that same year that uh, Anisimova did. So that's what's just, floating Kanta's. Every time I look and I'm like, Kanta's the 19th seed? Like, yeah. just, but, and then I realize that she has all the points from, which will, will fall off. Um, you know, 2019 points will drop off after Roland Garros. But, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's kind of floating her 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 ranking there. Yeah, I mean, Kirstea, if she's if she can recover after a, a pretty grueling week in um, Martina in Trevisan, Strasbourg. who made who made a run last year, is also in yeah. there. Like, yeah. there's just some interesting. It's a lot of like it's a lot of kind of like um, people who are smaller print on the on the festival poster, you know, in this section. But some intriguing some intriguing sounds that come out of here. Fair like, enough. There's not like you know, with the exception of Andrescu, who's like this elusive. You know, like Sia figure. You never really see her face on tour, but um, she... it's like a Coachella poster, and like Peter Bjorn and John are like down there. You're like, oh, they had a hit. I yeah. liked that song. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I might go check them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair. You know, like <laughs> Portugal the man. Like, oh, I know that one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, very that. Um, yeah. I wish there was a Portuguese player that I could segue to. There's not. Um, in the in the eighth section, uh, Naomi Osaka, no known connections to Portugal. Um, I think she was a huge draw winner when the draw came out. And that changed a bit when Allison Risk pulled out, who was the 27, I believe, seed in that section, yeah, 27-ish at least, um, and was and has not won a mat- match since the U.S. Open and pulled out with injury. Hope she's doing okay. Um, as you mentioned, Risk has this Olympic race coming up, so that could not have been an easy choice to pull out of this tournament. Just with that in mind, if she had thought yeah, she had I think any she re- I think she re-injured something be- um, <clears throat> in Rome because she. Um, was actually had a lead on Sviantec, uh in the first round. And then uh, mm. Sviantec started coming back and then she got hurt. Um, she pulled something in that match. Mm. So, which is a bummer. Like, I just, yeah. I feel for Ali. She's just, that's another player who was p- trending up and then COVID hit. I mean, she wasn't playing great right before COVID, like the start of the season. Yeah. But she's she's really struggled since since coming back. And it's, it's just a bummer because she was such yeah. a great story in 2019. Agreed. Uh, but then Naomi gets really the tough who, person who was the toughest floater, I think, in the draw on form. It's, that's big talk, but let's let's make it. And Paula Bedosa, who's now the 33 seed, um, who I think looms very large and potentially in the third round for Naomi. And I was a lot of talk about Naomi this week, which we do not need to get into here. We already did a whole show about that. But it's interesting. It'll be interesting where Naomi's head is at. She's the first match of the tournament on Chatrier on Sunday, um, playing Patricia Maria Zig, uh, who knows her way around a clay court potentially, but also no real big results of this kind of caliber to speak of for Sig. Um, so that's an interesting sort of sort of match for Naomi under a spotlight that she's brought on herself this week. So um, curious to see how she handles any of that. 
it could be yeah, it could be interesting. It could be messy. It's a tricky but I, one. I, yeah, yeah, but honestly, like, but this draw changed so much for me when when Bidosa got put in it because yes. Bidosa is it's really like looms as a very clear threat unless you think like maybe Donka Kovinich, who's a big server who played well in Charleston, maybe she gets hot and, and takes Bidosa out second round. But I, I think it's I think Bidosa will be able to get to the third round pretty easily and could make life hard for Osaka there. Um, yeah. And then yeah, and then the other part of this draw uh, with Kiki Burton's. Uh, who we thought would have such a great 2020 French Open and then lost. Excuse me. To Trevisan. Yeah, to Trevisan. Yeah, that was a, that was one of the shock losses. Um, granted, she had just left court in a wheelchair the previous round, but um, <laughs> wild, wild French Open for Kiki Burton's. Wild few French Open for Kiki Burton's, actually. For a um, woman who does not want any drama and just wants to play tennis, like Kiki... You're always in the middle of it. What's up with that? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, speaking of, of drums, Alize Cornet is in here running up her sort of streak of consecutive slams. Yep. Uh, Caroline Garcia. So there's a lot of French issues in here. Uh, Alize opens against another French player, Cousin Harmony Tan. Um, and then there Amoni. is, and then, yeah. And then uh, uh, Von Joshua, who's made the final of the tournament last time it was in the spring. Opens against Canepi. Opens against Canepi. That's the sort of like, that's it's a good brutal. like hipster you know, uh, of, you know, if you know, you know, you go to that match on court, whatever it is. Um, well, that's like one of those, because Vondrosheva drew Sviantec first round of the twin of last year's French Open and right. got blitzed, like, stunningly so. It was maybe Bagel won. It was one and yeah. it was something. And she was obviously defending finalist. And I still remember going into that press conference I like, press with conference Mar- Marquetta. And Marquetta was just like, like she had been literally like hit by a Mack truck. Like every every attempt to get her to acknowledge that something she did wrong or hey, what would you do to what could you have done to do differently to flip that? Da, da, da. She's just like absolutely nothing. She was too good. It was insane. Like she was just so dejected. And she was so right too, because as that totally bore that out. Foreshadowed for yeah, yeah, that yeah. foreshadowed so that, everything. Yeah. Yeah. That foreshadowed everything. That was one of those statement results. Like I say this I said this at the Australian Open not totally facetiously, like one of the results of the French of the, of the Australian Open was in the second round when Karatsev beat Igor Garasimov 0-1-0, which is like mm. a nothing kind of matchup at that time. But you're like, those scores don't happen in men's tennis. Like, what is going yeah. on here with this Karatsev character? And then lo and behold, he makes semis and has his whole year. Yeah. We'll get to the boys For momentarily. Sure. Any parting thoughts on the uh, on the women? I think, no, I think you're right. I think this fourth quarter is the place to be. And yeah. I would not be shocked to see someone like a Bedosa, you know, make semis out of here potentially. Yeah, I no, it. I mean, I, I think that for, on the whole, outside of the fact that the bottom quarter, only because there are question marks around Andrescu and um, and Osaka, you know, that bottom quarter is, is a bit open and is kind of the land of opportunity and all that sort of stuff. That being said, two of the best players on the clay season are in there, which are Kudermetseva and Bedosa. So they kind of balance out, I think, you know, the, to the extent that there might be any, you know, uh, top seed upsets in there. Um, but for the most part, it's a pretty balanced women's draw, I think. I think that, you know, you didn't get, you know, all the hot players stacked together. Um, you know, they're all spread out, you know, and and in a lot of ways, it's, I, you know, I hope that the draw kind of holds a little bit um, into that second week because there are so many of these, you know, round of 16 matches and quarterfinal potential matches that I just really, really, really want to see. And I'd be, I mean, if in the top half we get Barty Schwiantek, like semifinal, I think that in a lot of like that's just that's kind of perfect. And then the bottom half ends up being kind of this big fight, you know, uh, uh, 
all-in fight, right? With like Sabalenka going for her thing. Is she going to play Serena again uh, in another blockbuster, you know, quarterfinal at a slam um, with both of their quests um, kind of coming together uh, again? Uh, that would be great. Are we going to get Serena Kvitova, one of the rare matchups they've only played seven times in their entire career? Mm -hmm. That would be awesome to see. Andrescu Osaka, the last time they played, it was dope as hell in China um, at, at the Beijing Open in the semifinals. Um, I would I would love to see that. Can Naomi handle, you know, a lot of, you know, everything that's happening right now to to put together another run? Would love to see it. You know, like it, there's all these little things. And then, you know, I would love to see Bedosa Osaka third round. I would mm -hmm. really like to see how that match turns out. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like really interesting, like small pockets of of where it's like, oh, like. I, I want to see that match. Um, so I'm excited. I, it's a good draw. It's a balanced draw. It's yeah. not a blockbuster draw because because there aren't those clumps where it's like, oh, blockbuster first round into blockbuster second round, like that sort of stuff. But that's a good thing because hopefully it means a very balanced and high octane second week. We hope so. We always hope so. Um, we're running longer than I thought we would be on the show. Oh my it's God. Impo it's impossible to do, I guess, a women's draw quickly with how much, how many players are relevant. I did not um, realize so we'd been going will, that long. I will let yeah, the sorry. listeners ponder on their own whether or not Rafael Nadal knows Madison Brengel as we move to the men's draw. Novak Djokovic in the top. Novak Djokovic opens against Sangren. Uh, Djokovic just won Belgrade 2 uh, today. Uh, in Belgrade against a, a field that was very challengery. It was a lot of players who like didn't make it into French Open qualifying. Who, yeah, who wound, up, who wound up playing a bunch of it, including the final against Alex Molchan. Um, not a name I've said out loud before. Um, but they didn't. But, but it but, wasn't. But that event didn't have people who didn't have to play qualifying, but just wanted matches because that's what it was. Strasbourg both. It was, was. both. It, it was okay, one of those classic yeah, yeah. sort of first week. This happens sometimes at these first week tournaments where right? we're like, you'll see it in. Winston Salem, or maybe even like a, a Bronx would be a better example. Like, mm, yeah, where you there's have players like those who, yeah, there, it, there's a there's a gap, right? It's players who are two who make it in main draw direct to the slam, players who didn't even make it into qualifying. So there's like two strata of players, and Novak got some of each column. Anyway, he wins a title. I'm sure it feels good to win a title at home in Belgrade. Um, very patriotic guy that he is, and all his connections to bring that tournament there. Uh, he. I think this is going to be a much quicker show than the women because I don't see anybody in his in his eighth of the draw who seems potentially even coming close to beating him. But like stepping back for a second, isn't the yeah. whole point of this top half the fact that the big three are up there? Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, like, like I mean, I like that's like the macro. So the the macro, yes, the big mat. You're right. The big Courtney, big picture ATP insider, as ATP we know. ATP outsider, like that's all ATP, that I know. ATP middle All that distance. I know is people yes. were so mad. Like Twitter was just like, "What?" Man, well, I, I was. I mean, I as somebody who like you know didn't mind throwing a, a log on those on those Twitter fires. Like, I think it's nuts <laughs> that in in a world where the slams get to do have the power to subjectively change their seedings, that you make Rafael Nadal number three when he's going for a fifth straight title, and he just put up a statue of him, right? Like, what are we doing here? Honestly, you do feel like the here? statue is worth a bump up of, of one. One seat. Seats. We're just looking for one, one seat. seat. <laughs> right? And right, 50-50 chance it doesn't matter and he lands on the negative half, but he didn't. Yep. He landed on the on the Djokovic half. Doesn't help either of them. Um, Djokovic, they did this behind closed doors. I mean, doesn't this prove that draws are not rigged? Probably. I mean, although, just... does, anyone want, does anyone want a Nadal Djokovic final? Really? I mean, we've had enough of them. Honestly, and to last a lifetime. I'm just I, saying. I just, this, I just think it's proof of non-riggery. Humble opinion. All right, uh, Djokovic opens against Tana Sangren, who is a good slam player, 
historically in his career, but not really on. I mean, he did like win a U.S. wildcard on clay, which doesn't mean much. So not the hardest opening. Lucas Pui, I haven't seen that name in a while, coming back from some injuries, uh, potentially in the second round against Cuevas. Uh, Ugo Umber. Ugo's my boy. Hmm? I love Ugo. Love oh, he's Ugo. He's like my number two next gen guy behind uh, Hubie. And Ugo's mom also. I hope she gets. Oh my god. Time. Elizabeth Perkins. Love. It's it's love. a top. It's it's a it's a it's a. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna think there's like a a maternal version of like wag like moms and caretakers <laughs> or something. <laughs> there, like in the sand. She leads that category easily on the men's side right now. She's a um, Mac. She's a Mac. Yeah. <laughs> mom and guardian. A Mag. A Mag. <laughs> um, uh, the uh and then golf fan is in here too i you know honestly big picture i can't see any of these people troubling novak whatsoever nice to see there's there's some good matches in here i mean there's some matches musetti golf fan these are not bad matches like you'll have a nice time but like big picture like that's what it's different we just said it's different with women like women you have to like pause and acknowledge all of these different hurdles and all these different challenges because we've seen who wins slams, right? Iga Shiontek won this tournament last time unseated. It's just about margins. I mean, the margins are so slim in terms of like, and and matchups on the women's side. Like if this player gets through, then this player is screwed. If this player doesn't get through, then this player is not screwed. Throw in in best of five too, it makes it less suspenseful as well. Yeah, so that's why I was like, that's why I was like asking about the macro. Yeah, Yeah. if Novak even gets in trouble against an Umber or a Goffin or a Musetti and like but in trouble means like loses a set like he has so much time and space to get it back on track um, is there any concern about Novak playing Belgrade the week the week before or are we okay I'm fine so with it I think because I, other, think they, I mean he's just getting matches well he, he's fine with it too because obviously he did it and I think I want to say that when he won Wimbledon I'd be wrong about this but I believe when he won Wimbledon oh, in 2018, yeah. I think he played Eastbourne the week before. He played Eastbourne. And I so I think right. that sort of, that had to be in his mind. Like, it was interesting seeing how everybody went about it with this new, Two weeks. Of, you know, mid-course adjustment, like Federer wound up skipping Rome. I'm guessing Federer would have played Rome if, if it was still the, the normal schedule. But he wound up skipping it to play Geneva instead and sort of remanaging his schedule. Djokovic went this route. I think it'll be fine for him. I don't think, there was no sign they picked up any sort of injury or attrition in Belgrade. It's probably a very restorative week for him. He probably, you know, did his whole thing of, of being, you know, king there and also went to, you know, hike in mysterious mountains or whatever he enjoys doing. Like it's it's I'm sure it was good times for Djokovic and, and totally positive for his his head. I liked the two weeks between Rome and Roland Garros. Interestingly, well, you know what? I, I don't know. Maybe I'll think about that. I'd be curious to know what other people think. Like, what is it good or bad? Because well, at the same time, it it's also been two over. weeks. But no, but also just like, I mean, just from I'm just trying to think from a coverage perspective, maybe, you know, the Madrid and Rome results feel like they're less significant because they happened two yeah. weeks ago, which is possible. Um, but I, I like the idea that the players come in to, and they're as rested and fresh for Roland Garros as they should be. They've ever been. Yeah. But then at the, I say that, but then there was, I mean, you know, I, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, like Barty had 10 days to recover, you know, uh, uh, Sabalenka had time, uh, Sviantec mm-hmm. had time to like go home, reset her brain and, and come back. So I don't yeah. hate it. I actually love European players it. going home. I mean, like, I think they're going to come into clay especially the week gave them an opportunity to enter more tournaments than they would have otherwise and so you have more time to prep for the surface mm-hmm. uh yeah i think it's uh generally 
going to make for better tennis probably but i think you have to judge it based on what's gonna happen to grass season two yeah it's fair that's totally it's gonna fair. it's gonna screw up grass i think pretty badly especially because people haven't played on grass yes. in more than a year oh no i wouldn't want it two weeks and then have grass i, I still want my three week yeah heck extend it to four weeks i don't care but i, I want a longer grass season if possible but i'm just saying that in this especially situation like it the, wasn't as especially for the women because i feel like the women for whatever reason like the u.s open series just feels like slower to get going there's no women's tournament that atlanta week you know, it's a different conversation. Well, but like, for, time, but, 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 but yeah, I mean, they need, you know, it's that built in three week. I know that it's after mini Wimbledon, off season, yeah. it's yeah. mini off season, right? Like just, you know, so you also don't want to stack the the schedule too much on that end. No. But yeah. I just like imagine oh. 250 basically that week is what I'm saying on, on US soil would be nice. Um, speaking of nice things, uh, Matteo Berrettini and Roger Federer are both nice guys. They're the seeds in this next section. Uh Federer opens against Dennis Istom in the qualifier. I said this before. That's a throwback. I'm, I feel yeah. like I've seen that before. I mean, Federer. Many you know, times. In yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Federer's won all of them. Yeah. Uh, Federer uh, could get Chilich next. Chilich trending up slightly. Or could get Arthur Rinderknecht, who um, just beat uh, Yannick Sinner in Geneva, oh. I believe. Uh, college player Rinderknecht from, I, I'm not settled on pronunciation yet. We'll get there at some point. Um but good junior college player, uh, memorable name. So I, name sort of sticks in my head probably more than it should. Uh, anyway, he was against Chilich. Uh, Federer, I don't know what expectations are for Federer at this tournament. I don't think he's like, he said like, I'm not going there to win this tournament, basically. He was sort of rolled that out quickly. At the same time, last time he played the French Open, he made the semis because of sheer lack of opposition. Because he's just like, even him like mailing it in is still pretty darn great compared to the rest of the, the people. And uh, as Novak Djokovic said, you know, the big three are the next gen. They're still here. I love here. that quote. I that still, quote was, I still love that so quote. Great. It's so it was good. Fantastic. It's so good. It's so good. It's so fantastic and true. Um, yeah. But Berrettini, I think, has made the final of, of Madrid. I think on paper, he should be a favorite. I think I would make him a favorite if he played Federer in the fourth round, um, if Federer gets that far. And then there's a bunch of kind of players who are sort of like medium dangerous in this section in terms of Felix and, and Taylor Fritz probably in there too. Taylor's like been good at getting into tough matches and not quite closing them out, but getting there. I'm a, I'm a fan of Dominic Kupfer who... Uh, I like is, Kupfer, is, yeah. Yeah, I like Kupfer's game a lot. So he could, you know, maybe play Federer in the third round potentially. Chilich could beat Federer. I mean, like, again, it's it's tough for me to get excited about these sections because I just know whoever gets out of here is losing to Novak. But, mm. um, but I do think... There are, you know, I think Berrettini, it would be a good chance for him to have a best ever French Open run, make a first quarter in Paris, at least, and solidify himself as a as a clay quarter. He's really been more of a, a hard court, grass court kind of guy, which is atypical for Italia. Um, I want Berrettini, like, Berrettini really should. I know the French Open doesn't have walkout music, but he really should. He's perfect for the Eurovision winner. Like, oh, you think he's that rock? There's just no, because he's like kind of, you know, he's good looking and there's like, you know, whenever I hear that song, I just see the performance, mm -hmm. you know, like the beginning when the, it's the a good looking performance, yes, it's a good looking performance, but at the beginning of the song, when the, the riff starts and the curtain or doors or whatever open and the camera's like really close up on the guy and he's kind of doing this come hither, follow me mm -hmm. as I walk to the stage thing. I kind of, am like, oh, I could see Berrettini doing that. Like, I know you. Yeah, quick, quick Eurovision sidebar <laughs> to pad out the men's length of the show. Um, this I is think why we that, can't do Legos, but continue. No, yeah, <laughs> or, or finish exactly. long your, um, your I know because I know you watched the Wee Wee Jam performance of Ukraine, at least of uh, yes. of Goe, and the 
video for the Italians. The Italians did two songs in their set. And yeah, it's like, it's the most viewed Louis Vlogs video ever by a lot. It's like seven wow. views already. Um, and it's one, it's also, I think, the only performance of their like second single or their follow-up single, which is called mm. I Want to Be Your Slave, which is probably less problematic for English second language, let's hope, and non-American. But anyway. Oh, I mean, that's like, you know, that I feel like, I feel like, I mean, this sounds cliche, but I feel like Audio Slave has that song or like... I feel like that's been sang done. It too. It's been done. It's just not, oh, my right, favorite, yeah. not my favorite trope of the music. No, no, no. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, uh, Nadal quarter. Nadal lands in the top half, as as aforementioned. Uh, his draw is actually not great by Nadal standards. Like he got some potential like, hiccup, you know, challenges to the extent anything. If if you buy into the fact that anything can challenge Nadal at the French Open, he got some in this draw. Popperin, big hitter who played a medium tough. In, uh, in Madrid, I believe. Um, and then you could play Hugo Gaston or Richard Richard Gasquet. Uh, no one Gas- hits Gaston. like Gaston. Yes, no one drop shots like Gaston, as we saw at last year's French Open, oh, where he made the fourth tremendous. round and nearly, nearly beat Dominic Team, beat Vavrinka and nearly beat Team. Um, we would have played an absolutely adorable quarterfinal against uh, Diego, but lost in the fourth round. And then uh, Gaston uh, could play Nadal, and then Nadal could play Senego, who just made semifinals of. Uh, Italian Open and a, and a pretty big breakout run for Lorenzo Senego. He did? Um, yes, he did. <laughs> Lorenzo Senego made the Italian Open. Well then, yeah. good for you. Yeah, yeah good Congratulations, for you. Congratulations, Lorenzo. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cam Nori also just made a clay final in uh I did in see Lyon. that. Bjorn Fertangelo, good. former former French Open junior champ. Good to see I him qualify. Was, yeah, he qualified, which is good for him. I, I, and the USTA did something really silly. Not USTA. Tennis Channel spelled his name in some really goofy way recently. From what it was, it was um, what it was, it was oh god, what was it? Fratellengo. It's Fratellengo. They spelled Bjorn, Bjorn Fratellengo. It wasn't close. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was it was in the track record of of Jensen Brooksby. We'll get to the next section, but um, Fratellengo is in there anyway. And then Nadal could play Sinner in the fourth round, or or Gamalfis, and Sinner's probably the more likely one there. Uh, although Sinner plays. Air Bear first round. Air Bear actually is like a pretty good French Open first round player, and Sinner did just lose to Arthur Rinderknecht, so maybe not coming out on the highest confidence for Sinner, but he's been a good big stage player. I expect him to to get through, and he had a tough draw in Rome playing Nadal first round. So didn't Sinner? Didn't Sinner? No. Yeah, no. Did Sinner not play Nadal on clay before? In Rome and and French Open last year, they played the French, French Open last Open. year yeah, in the yeah. quarters because okay. Sinner beat um, and he kind of, uh, in the in the fourth round. And yeah, because he had like a little bit of an injury. I remember like somewhere in. Anyways, this is just me. Anyway, talking but about Sinner that. was off a break. Sinner <laughs> served for the first set against Nadal, six five in that first set, and that was the closest Nadal came to losing a set. Yeah, the French Open that's last right. year. Okay. So so I, it, it's a real, it's a it's a bummer draw that Sinner can't get some space to make a quarter somewhere else in the draw. You know, without playing Nadal, mm. he played Nadal in Enclay a couple times, I think, this year already more than he wants to but you know his his i think it's good for development for him and he trained with nadal and uh during the australian open bubble he was one of the adelaide plus ones center yes for his nadal's adelaide plus one so um anyway i think that that's uh not the worst uh situation for center but tough draw and, and Mofis has not put, played well lately so we'll see if, if he gets past ramos in the first round even um but if he does center if he gets some little momentum center Mofis will be really fun third round uh, the next section is Andre Rublev, who again is kind of adding to the. If you want to call it a tough draw from Nadal, you can because Rublev beat Nadal in Monte Carlo. 
uh, Diego Schwartzman, oh, yeah. Nick Nadal in uh, Rome last year. They're both this, they're the two high seeds in this section. Aslan Karatsev is here. He's been really strong. Nicholas Baslashvili is in here. He's won two titles while uh, awaiting adjudication. And, uh, you know, so there's there's names in here again. Like it's one of those things like if you think if you if you think Nadal is inevitable and there's every reason to think he is. Right. Then it's it's as dull as it ever is at the French Open. But if you're looking for reasons to think to convince yourself, maybe this is going to be interesting or tricky. Those reasons are there, too. You know, like it's it's a sort of. See Fair how enough. you want to see it, how how deep you want to look into it. Has um, has has Rafa ever played Karatsev? No, I don't think so. I would love to Not see Not this that. year. That'd be fun. That'd It'd be, be fun. fun. I'm just curious. I mean, it could be an yeah. absolute, I mean, it should be in a lot of ways an absolute route for Rafa, but I would love to see that match. I mean, Ra- I think it'd be interesting. Kar- Karatsev beat Djokovic in yeah, Belgrade. Yeah. And so like, yeah. he's like, he's up to the challenge of beating these top guys. He's still like the biggest enigma of this year. He opens against another. Not in Belgrade. I alluded to. No, Karatsev beat in Belgrade one. There've been two Belgrades. Oh, there've been two Belgrade. Yeah. ATP outside and a women. There are three two fifties. No, I know. I'm well aware that Belgrade. we had one, but yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah, but there's been there was two. <laughs> I didn't know there were second two. Belgrade. Yeah, so they're really okay. packing them in. When you said yeah. Belgrade two earlier, I thought you meant you were saying two because there was Belgrade one was the women's one last uh, week. No, That's no, why no, yeah, I yeah. didn't. Okay, all right, got you. Uh, I mentioned in passing earlier, Jensen Brooksby, American qualifier. Yeah, why is uh, he in my timeline so much? Well, he's been winning a lot. He's won two challengers. Uh, okay, he's on a 13 match win streak. He oh. just won. The I just qualified and won a couple challengers, and he beat he beat Fratellengo and according to Tennis Channel, in one of those wins. Don't do that to that. Bjorn. Don't do that to Bjorn Fratellengo. Um, <laughs> it's really the, his Jamie Hamilton moment, Julie Hamilton moment, <laughs> Julie and then Hamilton. Uh, and I'm just fascinated because Jensen Brooksby <clears throat> is the golfiest name I could imagine. It is, and like because there's such a specific nomenclature it. of Jensen Brooksby. And like yeah. someone literally, I said like I said like Jensen Brooksby draws Karatsev interesting parentheses. Also, this is the golf you should get to keep keep an eye on him. And also like this is the golfiest name imaginable. And someone was like, I literally thought this was a golfer before I scrolled down to read the second line because like no, I there's thought, something about golf names that he is yeah. purely a golf name, like golf name auto generator Jensen Brooksby. But. Yeah, I thought I thought that it was a golf thing when he first started showing up was a right around the time of the golf, the mm-hmm. in my timeline anyway, with like and everything. So I thought it was about that. And then suddenly realized this week that no, this was a tennis thing. So he's a yep. really, really good competitor. Not a lot of huge weapons, I don't think, but like really, really good gamer um out there. And interested to see him against Karatsev potentially. And that's a tough first you know, first match. And he's played mm-hmm. actually he, he had a win again at a slam against somebody. I can't remember who it was. Hold on. Uh, he played, he beat, he beat, uh, Burditch in the 2019 U.S. Open, uh, first round, which I think might have been Burditch's last slam match, uh, as a wild card. So anyway, not memorable for, for you, but no, that's fine. No, 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 no. I just, Burditch played the 2019 U.S. Open? Yeah. Really? Two years ago. Yeah. That's right around when he stopped. He was unseated, I think, but he played. Okay. I'll take anyway. your word for it. I just, yeah. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Skepticism noted and lodged. Uh, Bazalashvili in open round plays against Dushan Lajevic, who just recently said he's not going to play uh, Olympics, one of the first sort of Olympic official defectors this year. We'll see. Just basically say, like, how complicated it's going to be over there going to Asia when I usually play. He usually plays, like, Umag and, like, European. Yeah, he plays lower play lower level stuff. events. So that makes more That makes sense. He's not completely. a medal contender. He, you know, he knows that. So, um, anyway, that's just thought I mentioned Lajevic there. Um, 
And then Djokovic got asked about Lajevic's pulling out and said he would only play in Tokyo if there were fans. It was a whole... Or, but then it got taken maybe out of context. It's a whole thing. All right. Bottom half of the draw. Unaware. Uh, Dominic Team is the high seed in this third quarter of the draw. Uh, team low on, you know, not full of his normal mojo and, and build up this year. I mean, he's, he's building back. He took some time off. Which people were like, oh, he took so much time off. He didn't skip that much time. He, like, basically skipped... Miami, or like between Australia and uh, I guess Madrid. Madrid was his first tournament back, which doesn't feel I like mean, that much time. That's four years in Dominic team. That's true. That's, that's thirteen tournaments in a normal. Given year, how he, much he plays, even I so, know that. Yes, that's fair. Curious to see how he comes back from that um, against Pablo Andujar, who beat the Federer in Federer's one match in Geneva, um, and then he could get team could get potentially. The bonus, and then Fanini or uh, Fucevic, who's been a very solid player lately. Surprising, he's not seated uh, in the in the third round. So not the easiest opener for for team. And then could get Casper uh, Ruud or uh, maybe Hubie in the in the fourth round. Although Hubie has not been great on great on clay. So Hubie is celebrating his Miami win. Let him have this completely. Just, you know, bask in the glow, my my pale tall friend. Yeah, there it's you fine. go. Casper Ruud versus Benoit Paire first round. Talk about your think piece generator of it. Of it. Like, talk about work <laughs> ethic versus not. Um, oh. That Yeah, that I stand by my thoughts that it's crazy that Benoit Paire has not been suspended yet. Let's see if he does anything to further that case this week. Um, other section of the draw features Batista Agut and uh, Kachanov and Zverev. I would think Zverev can make it out of this quarter pretty routinely. It's a good draw for Zverev. Opens against three qualifiers in his immediate path. And then, or, you know, two. And then Daniel Evans, who's been for some reason kind of a breakout player on clay, which is weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think Zverev should coast to the uh, quarter and then probably get team who he's beaten recently and Madrid. Zverev, big draw winner in this open section of the bottom half where there's no big three. I think it's got to be said. And that's all that has to be said on that. And the bottom quarter of the draw features Daniel Medvedev, the <laughs> first while number two, who opens against in one of the best Bubbles. first round matches that's against, against <laughs> Medvedev Bublik. It's going to be it's, it's fantastic popcorn match. Both of oh, them are monologues. Medvedev, Medvedev yeah. in in Rome switched to monologuing in English, which was fantastic. Tremendous. It was so great. It was such a good community service for everybody involved because he would. Do, yeah, I'm sure you saw the clip where he like. It's like mm-hmm. it's angry loses point. He goes like ball abuse <laughs> before he hits it, and and then it hits like a railing comes back. He's like, wait, it came back. No ball abuse. <laughs> and Rublev is there like laughing because it was Medvedev losing to Karatsev, so he was there checking out his ruskies. I love and, it. Uh, it was fantastic. And then Bublik obviously chatter par excellence and and string together some good results. Bublik made a quarter in mm-hmm. uh, Madrid after having made a quarter in or semi in Miami actually. So quarter semi, I can't remember, but it could run in Miami. And uh, Medvedev has never won a match at the French Open, famously 0-4. Uh, not an easy opener, but he says he's feeling better confidence-wise for some reason. During his pre-press, he was pretty upbeat. Um, so actually an interesting section of this draw, knowing the stakes of the bottom half, of, of just it being open. This is one where, unlike the, fir- unlike the top half, where I feel like, <laughs> who cares about the section they're going to lose to Djokovic? We're going to get a finalist out of this half from somewhere. And I think it's going to be, I mean, my money is... Not that I'm betting on, but Sitsipas is a clear favorite against Sitsipas in a bit. But um, 
Medvedev has space in this draw. I mean, he gets Opelka. I don't know. The, Opelka, in, in... that's not fun. Best Opelka, of five. He's been is good against Opelka. But... I've seen that he's, oh, has... he's like, oh, okay. Fair yeah, enough. It's a head to head. It's one of those like where Novak like can read Isner's serve sort of situations. Yeah. Whatever, Opelka yeah. was really. I did a story about <clears throat> Medvedev um, at the US Open last year. And Opelka was really, really good about like tactically break, like talking about all things Medvedev does well. It was a really good answer. One of the like the people who I'm like most like of being off tour and just being less engaged mm. with the tour, honestly, who I'm like sad that I haven't gotten to talk to or get to know is Opelka. He's like, a, he's a very interesting, uh, seems talker. it. Yeah. yeah very, I, I can see that. And very, uh, you know, thoughtful and also bring something like, different free with his, yeah, totally different sort yeah. of flavor, um, of, of player, um, or at least of, of personality. Um, and his game is not, he's not a complete carbon copy of, uh, isn't which a lot of people think he is. It's, it's, it's better off the ground and not quite as dominant, uh, as reliable a server. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, which he'll probably get better at in his career because he's he should. Um, anyway, Medvedev, uh, yeah, you know if he's playing better, he's has had results on clay before. He made it, you know, he beat Djokovic en route to the Monte Carlo uh, semis one year. So like he can he can do things on clay. Um, if he does, then there's no reason he can't make quarters. And if he makes quarters, God knows he has some sort of psychological <laughs> hold on Stefano Tsitsipas. So. Sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting little section here. Uh, Christian Garin is also potentially, uh, you know, if, if Medvedev goes out, especially Garin is a a strong clay quarter, uh, could easily make quarter of this tournament of this tournament. Um, yeah. And then in the other part of the, any thoughts on this sort of Medvedev eighth before I move up one to Sitsipas? Um, no, I mean, you, 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 you threw an ice bucket on my intrigue in Medvedev Opelka third round. Um, I mean, it could, but... still, it could still, I mean, Opelka just made Rome semis. So like, he's absolutely capable. Of... He did? Yeah. <laughs> Courtney, 0 for 2 <laughs> on the Rome semifinalist in this show. <laughs> Who was the third? Well, no, there's two, uh, two semifinalists or, or Senego and Opelka. And then the final was Nadal and Djokovic. That, right. Okay. Yes. That's right. Yes. Okay. I knew the final, um, but yes. Yeah, I, okay. I, I thought you knew the final. Anyway, um, but Opelka has not had a strong year results wise. He's actually kind of another player who, you know, want to put in like the Allison Risk category or Rubacano, who's like, was trending upward a little steeper, but this was a, a big sort of breakout run in, in Rome. It's tough, it's tough to know where that parlays into, mm. um, but workable draw for him in the first two rounds against Andre Martin. And uh, Munar or or Jordan Thompson, I think those are both yeah. be comfortable no, I mean, matches for him. Yeah, looking at it, looking at it, I I don't know what's going to happen because ATP outsider, but like mm-hmm. I hope that Medvedev makes it to the quarters, just because I like watching the guy play tennis. Like if he bows out in the first round, my interest, like it's just going to be like one less match every other day that I would be interested in to watch. Get, like I get, just like you watching get bubbles, him. Though. You get bubbles, but like I don't. It's weird. I like bubbles against top players. I don't like to just sit down and watch bubbles play. Like it's watching weird. bubbles, bubbles I, like, second round against like Chris O'Connell would be painful. If that yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I, that's that doesn't interest me. But yeah. Speaking so. of O'Connell, um, he is the Australian Open. Sorry, the Australia Tennis Australia reciprocal wild card in this men's draw, mm-hmm. and notably the U.S. pulled out of that program for this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a good thing, and I hope they never go back because. I just think it's a terrible trade-off. I think those wild, even just like forget like you know fairness or whatever. I think those wild cards at the U.S. Open, those two additional ones, are worth so much more than getting a fifteenth player into uh, the men's draw, the uh, French Open or whatever. Like I just, I just see, see players who like who just miss out on those U.S. Open wild cards. It would mean so much more to them 
like your oh, Stefan Kozlovs, your Noah Rubin in some years, like players who are just like missing the cut for those main draw wild cards. I feel like it's a bigger boost to them than giving some person, you know, a sh- who's probably not great on clay by world standards, a, sh- a shot at clay. I think you want to keep them for yourself and your home I- swim. On the on the wild card topic, though, it is kind of a bummer. And again, I get it. It's just another way of taking care of your players, especially right now in a pandemic. And blah 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 blah. But you know, we saw it a little bit on 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 the women's side with like um, um, Osorio Serrano. Like right now, all the slam wild cards almost almost entirely, I believe, are all going to at all the slams during the pandemic have been going to local pl- to um to Federation players. Yeah, except for like Andy um, Murray, I think. Yeah, right. Murray might have been. Uh, but but generally, it, it hasn't been the yeah. more objective wild card issuing that we've seen. It's never been completely objective, obviously. But right. it's, you know, but it was kind of weird, like to kind of have that thing where I get it you're the FFT, you want to take care of your, your young players, you want to give them the check and like, whatever, but like, you know, I mean, it's also, it's, like, it's, it's, in, it's, in Serrano, in her case, like she's top 100, like she missed the yeah. cut, but she is one of those like technically direct entry kind of people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's the same with, with Ilya Vashka, who on the men's side was the top mm. seed in qualifying. And he took a set off Nadal uh, in in one of the I think Barcelona I believe this year and beat Zverev in Munich like on the, mm. the semis there like he's had a great like he's one of the people who would have absolutely gotten a Wimbledon wild card the way they do it based on who's doing well on grass in that short lead up uh, less time for that lead up also by the way this year um, to make those decisions but um, yeah I, it's it's frustrating and I also just really don't like and maybe this is what you're getting at a little bit I don't want to put words in your mouth but like the way that sort of like written in is a line item of like player support budget like oh you'll get the first round prize money at our slam I don't like that. Like that feels like money laundering. I've never liked that. Loosely. Well, I just, I just kind of think, just cut them the check. Yeah. Like if you're the federation, just give them the hundred k, or whatever, or or and then, qualies. yeah, and especially because a lot of times these are players who were not even direct into qualies sometimes. Yeah, I mean these are, I mean, and and again, it's different during COVID because there's a lot of travel restriction stuff and like, you know, it's not as easy to just like issue somebody a wild card and can they get over and all that. But like, it's just, I th- I feel like in. In that instance, specifically for for her, like I, it was one of the more kind of just like, ah, oh, I really. F-. And she made it through qualifying, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, although now she's got three matches and physically, is she okay? Like all that, but um, yeah, it's it's. I get it. It's it's it's. Yeah, you're you're. It's COVID. I get it. But yeah. and and there aren't a lot of low level events right now. So, but yeah, just cut the check. But she won a tour title too. It's not even about low level. Yeah. So, um, Stefan, and that goes for also one of the people who's also in qualities and lost. In the and she's side. Colombian. Uh, like you get, you get Latin yeah. America on the board. Like she's one of the Serendulos. Yeah, the Serendulos. Yeah. Yeah. They were both in qualities. Did they make it through? One, uh, no, neither did. Really? Oh, that's so, yeah. Uh, that's what happens. You don't get wild cards. It's tough to win three matches, even if you're, you know, a favorite to win those matches. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this last section we talk about, let's get ahead of it. Sorry. This is the past section. No, no, it's fine. Uh, since the past opens against, is this is a tough draw. Uh, considering that he's, I think, Ooh, on form, the yeah. paper, the player here. But since the draw is not easy, it opens against Jeremy Shardy. Uh, they could get uh, Sebi Korda, who just won his first tour title in Parma, uh, following Coco Goff's footsteps there. Then I uh, could get Isner in the third round. Isner's had a uh, sort of re resettling, you know, sort of clay season, uh, getting back on track a bit after not a good while during COVID results-wise, um, even before that, probably. 
uh, but he made, made the Madrid quarters and played team tough in those quarters. And after, and he beat Rublev in Madrid, which was a good win. And he beat somebody else good in Madrid, who I'm blanking on. But um, anyway, so he could play Sitsipas next. Uh, and then Sitsipas could get Ronich or Carino Busta uh, in the fourth round before getting whoever comes out of the bottom part, which could be Medvedev, which is an ultimate nemesis. So it's an interesting draw for, for Sitsipas, who I think has to know what an opportunity this is. Um, I mean, this is, wouldn't this half effectively be kind of like what happened at US Open right. when everybody crashed out and then everybody started choking? Like, it's like yeah. the opportunity was like right there and all of these these guys like didn't handle it particularly well. Maybe yeah. that's a good experience for them now. And obviously, you know, it's it's years on, two years on, but um, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's I would... like It's less than a year on, but okay, from that US Open. Was that just last? Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> yeah. sorry. I just don't okay. care. Um, but anyways, um, but yeah, I, I I would like to see Medvedev sit Sivas again. It's always a good time. It's always it's, a good time. It was it was it's like such extended torture at the Australian because like it was so clear that Medvedev <laughs> was winning. He was just like toying with him, and oh, Sitsipas was like a little bit tired after after. Oh, anyway, uh, yeah. So Sitsipas, I I and and throw in team and maybe Medvedev and some others in there. Like these are players who should think that they have opportunity in this field. Cause they do, you know, yeah, they, they absolutely do. do. Absolutely they're going to have the, it's gonna be interesting seeing like those guys, like court placements, like who gets put where, if there's, you know, none of the big three to take up, you know, main courts, like things like that, like how that all balances out. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see like one of them making a final just based on, on luck of the draw. Not, oh, and I winning, just, but not having to play big three based on luck of the draw. So, I'm just realizing. I always say, how much I always say a, draw luck is the most important luck in tennis, and this definitely oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I I always say like especially much more on than the any w- net quarter, any nonsense like that. Yeah. I always say especially on the WTA, like the most exciting day of any tournament is the day the draw drops. Like that's mm-hmm. when, yeah, you you get to there's there's a lot of fraughtness, but it's interesting how the draws worked out for the guys and the girls where the bottom halves will play on the same day because like the women's bottom half has a lot of, has more marquee names than the top half and mm-hmm. the it's opposite for the guys. So but like, marquee, mar, but marquee names who also aren't expected to like hugely huge favorites like Serena and Osaka are not considered like sure, sure things. No, no, no. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But just from a scheduling perspective, I'm just thinking from yeah. TVs and scheduling. I'm like, yeah. mm, that's nice that they're there, you know, because yeah, yeah. French Open at, the, at least the two show courts has been pretty two and two. Mm-hmm. You know, two men, two women on. Oh, what do you think courts. of night sessions, Ben? Well, covering it remotely, it's not bad. I mean, it, it totally changed my opinion being remote, and I was actually well figuring out you know time. Could you imagine coverage. having to be on site and have and then real because it's going to be a nine p.m. match. It's only one match. It's nine yeah. p.m. at Chatri. Obviously, the lights are on on the outer courts, so those courts can now mm-hmm. go deeper and later. But it's 9 p.m. No fans until the final session because of the 9 p.m. because of the 10 p.m. curfew in Paris. So it's gonna it'll be interesting. And it it's yeah. like it's only one match. Initially, they said it would only be a men's match. And the funniest thing is that there was all this uproar of like, how dare they favor the men's match? And I 100% assure you that there is not a single 
woman in the draw that wants to be playing at 9 p.m. on Court yeah. Philippe Chatrier at Roland Garros. So it's uh, like I feel like the way. I feel like the women were like, no, that's cool, man. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll play 11 o'clock. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. 11 a.m. We're cool. Um, but yeah, but they're going to start. But I just didn't realize that they're going to start at 9 p.m. So you're going to start a best of five match every night for 10 sessions starting at 9 p.m. I mean, best of five matches are average three hours. Like, like it could get dark in D.C. before these matches end. Potentially. Well, yeah. They're like five hour matches. Five hour but matches. Like, but yeah. You know, but it could, like it will like take up. You know, it's an afternoon match for me. It's that's a that's a three p.m. start in D.C., and so that's that's gonna be crazy for. It's kind of wild. I, I, feel I mean, for, it could I mean, be I, cool. I don't know, but I just I'm like, this is the first year of the night with session. No crowd, and I'm so cool. with no crowd. It's not cool. But like, if, yeah. if they get crowds in the future, it's you know, because it's always like Roland Garros always has this very luncheony feel. It's to be sort of like yeah, yeah. dinner and 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 dessert wines or whatever they do over there. Well, and, like and, nobody's and, and ever cheese, there at the first fighters. match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody's there first match Chatri ever, yeah. uh, because they're all grabbing lunch or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, as a rule, I am in favor of night matches instead of workday matches. So, uh, not when I'm working. Not when no, not when I'm as a as a as a sort of consumer. <laughs> if I was an organizer, but not for yes, not for media, not for being on site media for sure. That's but rough. for being honestly, I, I was sorry to say this before, but like we'll figure out what we're doing. But like for dividing coverage between, hey, like I'm remote. Like I was like I can just do the night matches, guys. Like that, if that is an easy division of labor, like doing it, which we don't usually do in Slam. It's not usually how Sam works. But like for you know letting letting our on site people, you know. Go be to Lake Congre before it closes, yeah. Or yeah, and um, that's even like yeah, but anything. No, same. Yeah. I mean, I, we 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 were joking. I was like, oh, the West Coast Bureau will actually come in handy for Roland Garros, you know. So yeah. interesting. All right. Speaking of handy, that is a handy draw show, longer than expected, but it's two hundred fifty six names to to ponder or gloss over as needed. Thank you for listening, everybody. Any other closing thoughts before I wrap up and thank the, the patrons and whatnot? Go for it. Thank you to our patrons, as always, who can support us on patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. If you want to do that there, we always thank our uh, Slam Champ level backers every episode. They are Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Audrey Wellens, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, and Timothy Liu. And our GOAT backers, Mike, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. Uh, gonna be doing daily-ish shows uh, probably during the French Open. Uh, see how it goes time-wise, but definitely a bunch of content as we march on this two ninety nine uh, streak of, of, <laughs> of episode numbers as decided. Love it. Uh, so we'll do that there. Um, so please, yes, if you're enjoying those shows or just enjoying our coverage, whatever, and, and Courtney's locked Twitter account, uh, feel free to support <laughs> us on Patreon. We appreciate that. And I think that's about it. I'll play us out with a bit of. Your favorite uh, Eurovision song from this year, Courtney, which was? Shum. Shum. And why? Explain why. I just, the, that beat drop. I mean, first of all, it's incredible. I love any Eurovision song that incorporates traditional um, elements from that country's like cultural music, which is mm-hmm. like they're they say that they're like an electronic folk band, I think is like mm-hmm. how they describe themselves. So um, she's awesome. She's like an incredible performer in, in terms of her stoicism. But also the thing that I love about this band is that there's absolutely a wink to the camera. They absolutely understand um, how to entertain. Uh, they get their shtick. And they lean into it, which is similar to my number two favorite uh, uh, entry in Eurovision, Iceland. Um, mm-hmm. 
so yeah, but the beat drop in in Shum uh, is iconic, and I just I absolutely screamed when it happened, and I fell in love with this act the minute I saw it in the semifinals. Favorite thing about the beat drop, which you're about to hear, I'll put that section of the song is, is there's a little kitchen timer that goes off. Yep, right when it goes, Ding! <laughs> and we're off. Yeah, tremendous. And that's the thing, they get it, and there's humor and wit in their whole shtick, even though their shtick is kind of this not metal but kind of this this grimy electronic avant-garde kind of thing yeah. yeah you know but they're not they're not taking themselves seriously like super seriously they believe in their music but there's there's humor there and you can see it in all of their 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 performances the wee wee performance the acoustic performance in the kitchen uh mm-hmm. the the other music video performance the one taker through the house where where the guy's playing the keyboard with a with a banana Mm-hmm. For no reason, when the other guy's like doing a solo, <laughs> casually lying on the bed with his leg up, like it's just funny. It's yeah, I, I it's a good time. I like it. Here they are. Congratulations Bonk. to Italy, but my heart belongs to Ukraine and Iceland. There we go. Here is celebrate the spring. Here is spring. Shum. See y'all later. Au revoir. Woot. <laughs>